When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolles, the founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. Keep the music flowing. We'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. I'm not at home. I'm, I'm in a hotel room. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the Interview Series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you as always for making your way here, for checking out the uh, the episode Please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that I send your way. Uh, three new ones every week, new and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, which makes it a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover those new ones at Spotify, at Apple Podcast, NPR, WFPK.org, Consequence, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. You can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Don't forget to also give the series a rating, leave a review. Always appreciate that so much. Uh, we've had some great guests lately, including uh, John Malkovich, uh, the John Malkovich. Paloma Faith was here to talk about her new record, The Glorification of Sadness. Uh, Kula Shaker, Slow Pulp, Daryl J. Johnson, you know him from uh, Drunk History and Punked. We had uh, Aldous Hodge, Aldous, who's been in everything from Black Adam and Leverage. He's in the new movie called uh, Marmalade. Mary Timoney of XX. Natalie Morales was here. Natalie Morales of The Morning Show and Plan B, Parks and Recreation. And we uh, started the month of February with uh, Matthew Vaughn, the director of the movie Argyle. Just an example of what you can expect when you subscribe to this very here series, the Kyle Meredith with Podcast. And that's me, Kyle Meredith, today catching up with MGMT. Andrew Van Weingarten and Ben Goldwasser back with a, a brand new record called Loss of Life. Uh, the duo is going to unravel why their songs seem to land later than when they're launched, uh, having the idea of Loss of Life as a theme for the record, and the most challenging and vulnerable moments within their lyrics. Uh, we'll also hear about aliens delivering part of the song Bubblegum Dog, how Nothing Changes has a jumping off point from one of their early tracks from Congratulations, and writing a song about uh, Andrew's great-great-aunt, Frady Wells, a uh, New York Metropolitan Opera star in the 1920s. You get all that and more. We're talking loss of life. It's Kyle Meredith with MGMT. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. I know it's been a little while since we've done the official thing here uh, with what you guys are going on. I did want to preface saying that... Um, uh, ben, I don't know that we've actually, I, we may have done a phoner, but I think this is the first time we've done anything face to face. Uh, Andrew, I was looking back and we did an interview at Lollapalooza like 15 years ago or whenever oh that God. was. I believe you. 
<laughs> and 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 yeah. I've I it's one of those interviews that you were great. I was not. And I would like it to never be seen again. But it's hilarious <laughs> because I think I was giving you such poor questions that you just looked right past me. And 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 the one thing I remember from it is you said, I think I just saw some girl's butt. And oh that was <laughs> the highlight of the interview from there on. That was there was nothing else I could uh, give you that was better. <laughs> hey. that, that that era, it was like peak like underbutt at festival, the, the festival attire at that time. So yeah. it probably was true about the butt. Absolutely that era. I'm sure of it. And I, I didn't see the butt myself, but um Right. <laughs> um I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's uh just a, a, a bit of a ways of saying that I've been a fan of you guys for so long and always enjoy what you're putting out there. I think the last time we talked was the the last album with Little Dark Age, which it, it was so fun to see that song sort of have its life out, out you know, that after it, it, it kind of landed to the point where I, it just occurred to me something that you guys might be aware of. I'm, I'm sure in your career, it seems like that's always sort of been a little bit of the MGMT story. Like things arrive a little bit later than launch or they, they land a little bit later. Like, is that something you guys like see in your music and, and, and does it, I don't know, have any effect whatsoever? I think what's happening maybe is that we're pretty good at consistently like expressing ourselves in a way that's true to what we're feeling and what we're into at the time in our music, but we're not very good at um, promoting it and <laughs> or promoting ourselves. And um, I think, I think it just seems like that, that like the authenticity of that creative connection that we have, it does land at some point, it does connect. Um, so that's maybe why there's a lag, but I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's, well, I don't know if it's, I mean, it's not a calculated thing on our part, but I think in some ways it's probably helped us just in terms of, I mean, we actually feel like we have a certain amount of longevity as a band that, uh, again, not intentional, or I don't know if it's something we really have control over, but I think it, it maybe does help us that things kind of take their time and like we take our time, um, you know, and it's, it's okay if, if something doesn't land right away, um, because I think we're it's cool to see how how things have evolved over the years or like people's relationship with the music has changed. Yeah, I hope that doesn't come across as one of those backhanded compliments that you would get in like a German interview or something like <laughs> so you know that your music <laughs> Well that would have been more like so uh your new album it's not very good, is it? <laughs> like <laughs> what's what's happened? <laughs> and... German interviews are the best. I can't imagine being an artist. And so that's <laughs> the loss in translation moment. Well, seriously, though, this this, this album, uh, Loss of Life, it, it feels like it's not having, I, I don't want to say that issue because I don't ever see that as a problem either. Like it just, to me, that also shows that these songs, that the music that you all have been doing over the years is great. It is worth it because it does find its, and, and it's proven. But, you know, when Mother Nature arrived on this one, I mean, everybody that I knew that just in my circle of friends is what I'm saying. Like that was the point of conversation. We we're like, Oh my God, have you heard this song? You know, it was just like, it was there and we all were feeling what was happening. Is there a beginning to this album? Like, how did you guys find your way into this? I think that the, the real beginning is, is when we had a forced reset and a forced kind of come down um, in 2020 when we were still at the, 
we were still on the little dark age kind of album cycle thing but we were we had gotten out of our contract with sony so we were like free agents but still touring and then tours got canceled everything was shut down and um suddenly we found ourselves with like nothing scheduled i, I don't know it was just like a, a moment one of the first moments in over a decade where ben and i were just able to just I don't know, be normal people to an extent. And um, that was sort of at the the genesis, I think. But that's when a few songs that were older ideas sort of came back up in our heads and we were loosely talking about making music. And then in 2021, we did a couple of sessions with Dave Freeman, but they were, they were very kind of exploratory. Um, and we did come up with a couple of ideas for the album then, but it really wasn't until 2022 when things just sort of, really started to quickly take shape um but i think it was coming after that that kind of downtime um it was it was a way different uh energy and mindset than we had ever experienced or not that not ever but since we had been doing kind of four albums on a major label where you you release something and then you tour 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 and promote it and then you kind of have this desire either to like keep touring or as soon as you're done touring, like, no, we have to make another album now. Um, so it was like the first time we had a break from, got off of that train a little bit. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky in the Midwest and allergies. Yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies and around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice. It affects my mood. It affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's, there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the, the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you to get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with MGMT. Ben, from your side, do you find, you know, when you don't have an album and that pressure's not there, for some that's a problem though, right? I mean, for some artists, like they need the pressure or they just, when is the painting finished? You know, when, when do you put the last keystroke on? Like, does, does, is it helpful not having that kind of situation? I don't know. I mean, I think we've always kind of put that pressure on ourselves in a way. Like, if there's if there ever really is a deadline, I feel like it's more likely to come from us and feeling like, all right, it's time to just decide that this is done and like book a session to mix the record. And like we always we we tend to procrastinate a lot of things or just it's not necessarily like I wouldn't say it's like sloppy, but it's like we leave a lot of things for the end. And a lot of times, like Andrew doesn't like to write lyrics until we're in the mixing stage of the album and kind of like kind of like summing up the whole process in like a concentrated period of time or just like taking like trying to harness the emotion of like finishing the record and, and just like putting everything into place and having that be the the moment when it all comes out. So I think I feel like we kind of that's just how we've trained ourselves to operate in some ways yeah those um andrew the uh the the way i hear about people when they the type of artists that do that that, that sort of wait to write the lyrics and and then that's when you do get the themes or whatever because they're all coming at once and and, and reading about this and even with the, i won't say dissecting it's just the way they arrive to me like that loss of life as a theme mm -hmm. of some and i mean i mean we drop <laughs> We drop through the stars in this album and we dig into the shallow puddles. Like it's it's almost all of the universe from the furthest to the most <laughs> simple is is sort of present here. I don't know how much you can say or or feel, you know, okay about talking about that, but but with those humongous scopes, what does the loss of life represent? It's I think it's it is it's really multi it's kind of like shifting constantly what it what it means um it even it meant at some point before we settled on any idea that made it to the album we, we were joking that we should call it loss of life because it's gonna be like mgmt's last album and we're gonna go do something else like get jobs as baristas or something um but that didn't happen thankfully we actually found some songs and, and stuff but um i think that uh you know there were lots of major life changes and, and experiences that happened in my life um, over the past few years. And, and it was kind of ran the, the gamut of the full scope of, of emotions that you can get as a human. So, I mean, I don't think I was trying to capture that in the lyrics because I think if you, if you set out with that sort of ambition, it's just, it's kind of impossible, but it was just such, it was, I was living it and it was coming out in the in the lyrics and in the music um because i think that for us we would talk about loss of life not just being like a death of human death or or, or any sort of death but but like it's the um it's just kind of a perspective shift um 
and how even like the birth of a child can can mean having to accept and mourn sort of a pat a past self or or some sort of life that was you had cherished for years and years and and kind of there's just all of this movement of energy you know and then by the end of the album i mean not to be I don't say I want to be cliche. It's in the album because it's all about love at the, by the end of the album. I mean, that's it the, is. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that moment. I'm looking at the track. I think it's dancing in Babylon where you actually see the words. I love you. Mm -hmm. And I've heard artists like a mantra. <laughs> yeah. But like for some people, like that's a very difficult three words to write in a song. Yeah. Do you find that's the case? There were lots of moments that I think were a major challenge to us as a band who has experimented with so many different styles and sort of like lots of more tongue in cheek or like pastiche kind of things and sort of like inscrutable psychedelic lyrics and that kind of thing to be like, I'm going to say, I love you in a song. I mean, like I, I the same thing happened on um, the, the last song on loss of life where it's like just trying to be the most like bare and naked you can be and just, doing it you know and not giving a fuck so <laughs> i tried i think it. <laughs> it's also like a lot of the challenge for us is being being very self-conscious about kind of like where we're at in our lives at our careers and sort of comparing ourselves to like observing other artists who enter a sort of like self-serious self-important phase of their career and being like we don't want to do that but we also like want to like we have we have a lot of like really intense feelings right now that like we and a desire to connect with other people or it feels like an important time to be for like human beings to be connecting with each other so i think they're you know kind of grappling with that a little bit i think that that line i always associate with um with arthur lee in um in forever changes or alone again or when he says uh you know that i could be with in love with almost everyone you know, it's kind of like, you're like, wow, when you, when you listen to that, it's just, and it's cool how it can shift the meaning if you emphasize a different word and that, and the same, we kind of tried to do the same thing where like, we, I say, I want to tell everyone I know I love you. And you could sort of see it like, um, you're, you're professing your love for an individual, or you want to, uh, tell everyone you love them as if like the world is ending and you want to, you know, get that out before, before it's all over. <laughs> well, and, 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 and even Ben, to your, to your point, I mean, to have that earnestness in there, but you know, then you get a line like in mother nature where it's, and I understand your hesitation, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like this, I don't know if, I don't know if you look at that as a tongue in cheek self-awareness, but that's how I feel about it. And I was like, what a perfect line, you know, just, uh, <laughs> just to kind of balance everything. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, that song. I wish I was joking. That it's kind of looking at similar things too, or just yeah. like I know it's silly to to be saying these these kind of like almost sort of like hippie cliche things, but like maybe it maybe it needs to be said in some way. <laughs> and we'll be right back right after this. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with MGMT. Bubblegum Dog is a journey <laughs> of a song. I, I hope you don't mind, uh, whoever wants to take this one, the, sort of the broad version of this question, but how did that one get put together? It's Ben's fault. It was, well, it's, I don't even know. I think it's like a classic case of like in our, there have been moments in our career when we sort of have this this running joke that there are aliens telling us what to do and like every now and then the aliens deliver us a message. And I feel like Bobble Gum Dog was maybe one of those moments where uh, like during Little Dark Age, um, as we were kind of like one of my like main ways of trying to deal with writer's block was that I would just like sit down at a keyboard and just start doing sort of just like automatic writing, just like not think about what I was doing at all. Just like play something and kind of like have a microphone and just sing random stuff over it. And and the like main progression of Bubblegum Dog and the melody just basically just like came out like that with the lyrics Bubblegum Dog, which just, you know, is one of those like it kind of felt good to say those words over the section. And I sent it to Andrew and Patrick and it just became this thing where we're like, well, this has to be something. But it basically it, it took many years of it just rattling around and we finally were like we have to finish this song it almost felt like we like we were forced to finish it like we didn't really not not in like a super negative way but like like sort of like in the video like we kept running away like from it being like this is just a joke like this can't actually be a song and then eventually we we're just like okay you know what like we're not gonna escape this like we have to we have to write this song i think we re recorded like maybe three started to record three different versions of it or something. And then the last one, I think there was one night when we were, we had booked a, done a studio session and I like stayed up really late with Patrick, just like hacking it to pieces, kind of like a last ditch effort to be like, all right, well, whatever, like, let's just do this and, and kind of just chop it up and put this incredibly loud transition like just jam two parts of the song together and then i don't know that that ended up feeling like like a an appropriate move i guess yeah it's fun i really do it's one of my favorite moments of the album and i think i could say that about a number of, like nothing changes like those chords are such a mood do like a song like that do the chord the lyrics match up with it so well and i actually wish i'd written down a, a few for the example i was thinking of but like, do the chords drive the mood or do the, does the mood drive the lyrics? That one came. So like we had this, the verse kind of chord progression, which I keep thinking it's, I think that, that, that kind of melody that happens on the guitar with the one wrong note, I'm pretty sure that that used to happen when, when we would play live at the end of our song, Siberian breaks. I think I used to play that melody on the guitar and hit that wrong note. Um, and that got like lodged in my head and, but from the start, that song idea, we had nothing changes, and we had the first line of the song, um, like 
right away um, that this is what the gods must have been talking about when they told me nothing changed. That was like there. And so then it was like the same kind of thing where it was just like circulating for years in our heads because that's also a slightly older song idea. And when we were working on it for this album, it just it just became like such a fun goal to make it this like the song that's called Nothing Changes have the most kind of progressive multi-part suite of a song and and um finally got to do like horn arrangements with Dave Friedman's son and all of these really fun things try to do like a really long held out vocal note which I've never done before <laughs> are there other guests I, was I reading the right about the the guests for the album I mean is that is it Nels yeah. Klein Sean Lennon there's a slew yeah mm-hmm. God, those are great names <laughs> it was fun I mean we're also we're like fortunate to be friends with all those people so it was really kind of less of a like just felt like a, an organic just kind of like most of it was the result of just hanging out with people or or pitching them something and just be like just do what you do on this and and it wasn't very it wasn't like a contrived thing at all it's a nice roster to have just hanging around anyway yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, the songs are great, and I, I mean, Frady's song. It was a Frady, Is that am I saying it right, Frady? Frady's? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it, Frady. It, who's Frady? <laughs> it's a family name. Um, it's my great great aunt, Frady Wells, who I didn't know. I never met, but um, she had a pretty like eccentric and wild life where she was from a very small town in Missouri and was a school teacher, and then wound up auditioning in front of the um, director of the Metropolitan New York Metropolitan Opera and became like a star soprano in the 1920s um, in New York, but sort of like never like had much of a ambition to be a, a star. So after a few years, she sort of left and went back to Missouri. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's Frady Wells. And then uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it, it again it's just one of those it's another cool moment on the record and i really do i i love this i love what you guys do and every single time it feels like a surprise and every single time i'm not let down that's, every that's single great. time i don't have to say so you guys made a bad album right so it's uh... <laughs> we should make a bad album that'd be fun <laughs> like neil what's the neil young um oh yeah like the early 80s one when he was trying to get off, like to fulfill his label contract, and it's like the rockabilly, right? Everybody's rocking. Oh God! <laughs> but still, like, like he had to try, and so those songs are complete songs. It's not right. like I mean, he could have just turned in, you know, some of the noise stuff that he did live later on as its own complete song. Like, uh, yeah, Sonic Youth put out the Silver Sessions, which was like eight tracks of just distortion. Yeah, <laughs> but he made those songs, so it's like. Is it a bad album? Because somebody probably thinks that's their favorite Neil Young album, like somewhere. I hope so. Yeah. I don't know. It makes me respect him more. <laughs> try to do a bad album. Like that's, if you're still doing songs, it's still going to be somebody's. That's Maybe that's he was I trying think. to make a really good album. And then it was so bad that he was like, we have to, to make this story that it was just to fulfill the label contract. <laughs> Congrats on Loss of Life, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's fun to talk to you. Thanks so much. Yeah, that was, that was great. 
My thanks to Andrew, to Ben, MGMT, the album Loss of Life is out now. Thanks to you for checking out the episode. Again, I do hope you hit that subscribe button uh, while you're hanging around. That way you get three new interviews every single week, just like this one. New one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to keep you up to date on your favorite artists. And discover those new ones at Spotify, Apple Podcast, at NPR, WFPK.org. Consequence, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from, you can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. And then after that, do me a big favor. Head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. You get four hours of classics from the 80s and 90s. You get the best in new music. There's lots of bonus interviews, music news. Uh, one of my recent shows featured the, the music of the Beatles, Paul Simon, Betty Wright, Counting Crows, Elliot Smith, Suzanne Vega, No Doubt, Tool, David Bowie, St. Vincent, Joan Jack, Cage the Elephant, The Linda Lindas, Gary Clark, Kurt Vile, Bootsy Collins, Black Pumas, Beulah, uh, Middle Kids, Waxahachie, The Police, Nika Costa, Brittany Howard, Bleached, Green Day, The Smiths, Amy Mann, Cowboy Junkies, and my interview with Peter Capaldi, Doctor Who himself, Peter Capaldi. That's just an example of what you get every weeknight starting at 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Set your alarms and tune in. And remember, you can also find me on uh, any of the social media sites. The address is always the same. It's at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. All right, bye. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.